Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Rollerys Podcast. I'm your host, Raj Baines. Uh, Jack isn't here this week because he's, you know, unreliable and doesn't really care about us or the show, to be honest. He's a bit of a charlatan. But joining me, luckily, is uh, Mr. Sebastian Stafford Blow. How are you, Seb? Good, mate. You full named me there. You uh, you went Sebastian. Yeah, I enjoy Sebastian. It, it, uh, it won't surprise you that where I'm from, there's not many people called Sebastian around here, so it's not a mm-hmm. name I get to say very often. So you just embrace it. Yeah, the only person who really calls me Sebastian is my mother. But, okay, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, whenever it's me and you just on the pod alone, we end up speaking about your mother at some extent. So it's it's always an odd one, this. that She always manages to crop up. Uh, hello to her again, if she's, <laughs> she's still listening, if we've not managed to wear her down by now. I'm glad she, she's listening. Um, if we do talk about the football, um, a while ago now, it seems, uh, we played Liverpool midweek after we'd beaten Arsenal. Uh, 3-2 in favour of themselves. Uh, what did you make of it, Seb? Um, it was a bit of a... Um, I don't know, I think we said before before that game that it was. It didn't really matter what happened in that game because it was it was three days after the derby. We'd won, we're all surfing the tide of euphoria, surfing the wave of euphoria. And, and it was... Um, it was... Yeah, it just felt kind of incidental. Oh, I, yeah, a couple of days afterwards, it, it started to annoy me because I, I don't, I don't ever like losing to Liverpool, and I especially don't like losing to Brendan Rodgers because there's something incredibly smug about him and and something very dislikable. And giving him an excuse to describe another Liverpool performance as outstanding was, you know, wasn't top of my list of priorities. But it looked, it was, it was kind of what I expected. Our, our players had given so much the Saturday before that we looked like a side who who didn't really have another 90 minutes in them. Um, and we were sloppy, we were disjointed, we didn't defend particularly well. Players who'd, who'd been excellent in the weeks prior to, to that game were had strangely off nights. and It was just a bit of a mess. It was a really fun game to watch. And I imagine if, if you're a neutral, you probably really enjoyed it. But it was, I don't know, it was, it, it was you know, games like that happen, you move on. But it was annoying, it was irritating. Yeah, I didn't get to watch it live, uh, stream it. I, w- I went to go watch Huddersfield Town get beaten 4-1 at home by Wolves, which was absolutely hilarious because Huddersfield were, were one of the most disorganised football sides I've ever, <laughs> I think I've seen in the flesh. They were absolutely terrible. Um, but I had recorded the game on my laptop to watch when I got in. And because um, I'd been following the score on my phone and not really had a, a full sense of what Twitter was going on and everything like that, I, I kind of got to watch it, you know, on 
untampered with by you know outside voices and what have you and the the commentary on my stream was a language which I'm, I'm still not entirely sure i can find the origin of and um <laughs> You know, you know the type. I mean, from so yeah, you know those, um, I, I, they, there's, there's some strange humanity in those little chat groups that go alongside streams. Um, I, I it's like, um, it's like a worse version of the conversations you find under YouTube videos. Incredible. Yeah, they're, they're very strange people that decide to um, comment in those. I always click them off if I have a chance to. Yeah. Um, but I watched a game that night when I got in, and. Um, it, it wasn't as much as you say. It was a bit hectic. It wasn't as controlled as the other games were under Pochettino. I think the the tiredness was getting to them somewhat, which was you know understandable given the game that had just gone before. And um, but I think they they gave an account on themselves away at Anfield, which was very good. I mean, Liverpool over the past couple of seasons have had a lot. Um, a lot of good fortune and a lot of good performances against us, and even at the beginning of the year. So to run them as closely as we did was um, was fantastic. Uh, the the final goal, the Balotelli one, was was um, slightly questionable. I mean, the, Eric Dyer was, you know, there, there are questions to be asked over his positioning and his alertness at that stage. But you know, if, if we always say if a player needs a goal, he's uh, he's probably best playing against Tottenham because he's likely to 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 break his duck. Yeah, um, and we bear, yeah, bear in mind Eric Dyer's age as well because he's um, you know he's he's still got a lot to learn in central defence. But uh, do you think that we're going to see more performances like that where, you know, where sort of tiredness is going to come into play or do you think we're going to be able to, to kick on a lot more now and, and you know, with this week behind us and with the cup final coming up, do you think we'll, we'll see more of the better performances or will it carry on being a mix of the two? Um, I think it'll be a mix of the two. I think that what you've got to remember is is that that Liverpool game came at the end of a sequence where we were really busy. Pochettino quite clearly has settled on a, if not um, a first eleven, a sort of a, a first fourteen, fifteen group of players. It's it's you know given given how far the squad has come uh, physically this year, it's inevitable and it's also really forgivable. The one thing I'll say about that Liverpool game was um, as irritating as it was. The encouraging aspect was that even when, you know, we went and goal down to, you know, a bit of an error from Lloris. And in, in, in previous years, I suspect that the team would have thought, oh, you know what, we won the derby on Saturday. We don't really need to win this game. You know, let's phone it in for the next 75 minutes. But we came back twice. We, you know, 1-0 down, back to 1-1, 2-1 down, back to 2-2. Lost it in the final minutes. Okay, but there was... um. You know that the if if the bodies weren't willing, then at least the mind was pretty resilient uh, up at Anfield, and and that was that was really heartening. And you know there was there was not a lot of good, but there was some good to it. And and I think that you know we're not involved in the FA Cup anymore. We've got a League Cup final. Um, I don't know how far we'll go in the Europa, but sort of the the, the games will start to stagger a little bit more now. Uh, now that we're, we're through the other side of Christmas and New Year, so it's just going to be about you know how far this sort of small group of players can can stretch their uh, their, their conditioning. Uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I think, you know, Jack, Jack and I talk about this a little bit and it, it, it's, it seems to be a bit of a step into the unknown because we haven't had a, a group of players who have used this sort of approach before, um, who are so reliant on uh, physical exertions. Um, so who knows? It's just... It's been fun and it's enjoyable, and you know, let's just enjoy it. Let's not um, let's not get too worried about what may or may not happen next week. 
I'd agree with all of that. Um, I think you touched on there the Europa League as well, and we'll be moving on next to a segment where Jack will be speaking to somebody who knows a lot about Fiorentina. But if we just, for a couple of minutes, you know, think about the competition ourselves, is that one that you think we should be prioritising, even if it meant that we dropped down a couple of places, we maybe finished seventh or eighth in the league rather than fifth or sixth, but we were to maybe get to the semi-finals or even at a very push, you know, the final. Um, would that be something you'd be happy with? Yeah, definitely. I think there's some novelty to it, Raj, as well, because I, you know, for so long we've we've come accustomed to to being one of those teams who you kind of exist in the Europa League. You just think, well, stay in it, and if we don't get knocked out, great. But given that this season, realistically, I know people will disagree, but realistically, we're not aiming at, at the Champions League. Um, you know, it'd be nice and all, and why not, and be positive and everything, but we're, we're not at that stage yet. So, so why not have a bit of a have a proper crack at this competition for once? Because it it's not actually that strong. You know, Fiorentina one of the strongest sides left in it, um, even with the um, even with the sides the third place teams dropping out of the Champions League. So why not have a go at it? We're a good squad. You know, it'd be you know be an experience for a lot of these players, and and we're capable of beating anyone left in in, in the draw. So I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with sacrificing you know league position or two for the sake of pursuing it. I, I think if we were to come out of this season with we've got the Carling Cup, uh, sorry, uh, Capital One Cup, um, at least track of what that competition's called, the League Cup final in the bag. So hopefully that'll go. Milk cup. Milk cup. That <laughs> takes me back. Um, uh, uh, you know, so if we have, have, a, have a, we've got really good one final, quarter final, semi final, final of the of the, the Europa. You know, added to that, would be a great season. You know, maybe a six or seven play. Brilliant. Completely agree. I think that's a, a competition I've always wanted to see us go far, and I don't think you know people belittle it. Oh, they do, mate. And also look at look at the um, look at some of the recent finalists in that competition. You're telling me we're not, you know, up to 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 matching the progress of a Fulham or a Middlesbrough or, you know. And look at Atleti Madrid; they won two, didn't they? And yep. quick succession, and they've uh, they won the Spanish league. And I'm not saying winning the Europa League is going to mean we're going to win the the Premier League the year after, but it's going to give the uh, the players a a sense of what winning competition football is like. It's you know going to help instill a winning mentality, and that's. And while that's not quantifiable and that's not something you can really put a yardstick to, it's uh, it's definitely a factor within sport, something that we've not really uh, ever tapped into as much as we probably should, um, which no, is, you I, know, it, sport it, psychology. So, Winning is winning. You, I, 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 it, you're right, it is unquantifiable and it is a sort of, a sort of intangible quality that, you know, you, you can't really artificially install on the side, but it, it does play us an enormous amount of good. Um, just to say, right, well, when, when um, you know, can you win when you absolutely have to? And that's knockout football. Um, outside of, like, you know, crucial league games right at the end of the season, you don't get to play those kind of fixtures very often, and it's exponentially beneficial to a, a, a squad to experience those kind of conditions, definitely. Excellent. All of that said, here is Jack speaking to our guest, Blair Dunlop. So, How are you doing, anyway? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, look at that! Starting Blair starting the segment four is there. I'm I'm good, thank you. That is the voice of Mister Mister Blair Dunlop, singer songwriter, Fiorentina and Tottenham fan, and uh, heir to a uh, tire fortune. Is that one or one or several of those facts might not be uh, might, not be factual, <laughs> might not be on point factually? But uh, how you doing, Blair? How's it going? 
Yeah, really good, thanks, Jack. Really good. I, I was just saying to you before, I'm genuinely so excited to be on there because I listen to this show all the time. Yeah, all the time. Long time listener, first time caller. It's exactly it's exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. So I, I suppose good good point to to start on um, is you know tell us a bit about bit about yourself first. You know you are you are a musician, I believe, aren't you? That part wasn't false. No, that that part was true. Yeah, um, I'm a, I'm a musician. Yeah, I've just um, just come back from uh, from a little tour with my band, which has been really nice. Um, I suppose you'd you'd probably call it folk music, um, but it's, I don't know. I tour with the band at the moment, so it, it can be anything from like singer songwriter stuff to a bit more um, a bit more rocky, I suppose. Um, but, but yeah, I'm a I'm a Spurs fan. Um, my dad's. Uh, my dad's from Muswell Hill, so that's that's my connection with the club. Um, and I suppose one of the reasons I quite like listening to the show is to listen to <laughs> listen to a fellow Northern Spurs fan in Raj, <laughs> um, and I can kind of relate to all that pessimism. Um, it's all good. I so yeah, a lot, people, just, a lot of people usually like listening to the show and realizing that they're you know they're not that bad off actually. And they're like, oh yeah, we yeah. could be could be like those two gimps making this. <laughs> But you are one yeah, of those yeah. gimps today, Blair. Yeah, I totally am, yeah, yeah. I've, but I've, what I will say, since moving down to London, I moved to Wembley about three months ago. Um, actually, Wembley Park, so I take umbrage with Seb's comments from a couple of weeks ago about <laughs> it being an accident. No, no, he's, he's right, it's a pretty awful area. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, your water's awful. Your water's so bad. The water up north is... It, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's like ridiculous. I had to get a Brita water filter for Christmas. Um, yeah, that's that, that's how bad it was. Yeah. I just leave uh, teacups out on my balcony, mate. It's uh, better water, you know. Get get past the acid, it's fine. <laughs> you know, you'll be sorted. Yeah. But this is a real like first world problem conversation, this isn't it? Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Spurs, you've, we've got the Spurs bit out of the way. I think the more important bit in this section is Fiorentina. How's that? Yeah, how's that sure. link come to come to be? Because you. you would you say it's a, a, a split loyalty, or are you still predominantly Spurs? I'm totally, I'm totally Spurs. Yeah, um, it's it, 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 it's never been a split uh, loyalty until this week, because neither team has ever been good enough to play each other, you know, constantly in Europe or anything like that. Um, basically, I I won a trip to Italy when I was six um, on the back of. Do you remember Football Italia on, was on Channel 4 with uh, James Richardson on a Sunday morning? I do, do you remember it's when one it was... of the most immense theme tunes of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, so basically, uh, I won a trip to, to the San Siro as, as a kid with my dad and we went out um, and we had a great time. Uh, and that kind of sowed all the seeds and then it was it was, uh, it was Batistuta and Rui Costa. Oh, um, 19, yeah, Batico, yeah, 1999. Um, 2000, they were champions at win- winter champions, and then kind of capitulated towards the end of that season. Um, but that that was it for me. That was like that was the start of it all. Um, and I, I've, I've gigged quite a lot in Italy. I, I was lucky enough to get um, given uh, an, an award, quite a pre- prestigious um, award in Livorno in Tuscany, which is not Livorno is about an hour and a, a quarter from Florence. Um, a couple of months ago, which was great, um, Congrats, and I nice quite a bit. In, thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's nice to be recognised um, by by people that 
you know, just I, in I general, like I've got a bit of an affiliate. Yeah, 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 generally, yeah. <laughs> People like yourselves, yeah. Um, no, no, it's uh, it's great, and I've got friends there. Um, we go and try and see the, the team uh, every year, um, and it's great. It keeps me in touch with different cultures and stuff. But obviously, I'm never going to have the connection that I do with the team from this country because I don't get the nuances of the language and all, all the political subtext, things like that. But I do connect with the team and a lot of the fans and uh, follow a lot of the games. The only the only bad thing personally for me is that I gig a lot of the weekends so I don't get to see so many games like streaming and stuff. So I do actually have to like fly out to Italy and see them a lot of the time, which I, only happens you know every now and again. I was going <laughs> to say, surely as well, another one of the bad things about supporting Fiorentina is that you are essentially kind of following like the Spurs of Italy as well, aren't you? Because that's kind of what I've always <laughs> seen them as, like, those like nearly it, men, aren't they? It's exactly that, Jack. Yeah, I was going to... When, when we go through the team and a bit of the tactics and a bit, probably uh, I'll, I'll drop some very crude reductionist parallels <laughs> between each player. Well, you, um, you're talking but, my language there, then, mate. Yeah, like, you know, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not like Raj, you've heard me before, you know. Yeah, yeah, but but basically, yeah, they are the, they are the, the, <laughs> the Spurs of Italy. So, well, I mean, if, if we're looking at them at the moment, I've seen that they're, they're currently, they're sitting, not really comfortably, but they're in fourth place at the moment. Um, there's quite a few teams around them. There's a big gap between them and the teams above them. Um, yeah. Is, um, is it a particularly good season for Fiorentina this year? Because it looks like their form's pretty decent. It's it's not a particularly great um, season for Fiorentina um, for a few <laughs> reasons. I'll give you a little bit, bit of a... <laughs> so there we are, the Spurs pessimism comes to the fore. Uh, it's like, um, basically, Montella came in. Um, you know, Vincenzo Montella used to play for Roma. They used to call him the little aeroplane. Um, who was, he, he basically, his celebration was to like, oh, it doesn't matter anyway. So he manages Fiorentina now. And he's a young, forward-thinking coach. Likes to play 3-5-2 um, and knocks it around loads. And he came in um, just over a year ago. And his first season was wicked, um, playing lots of really nice stuff. Um, it, it brought in quite a few uh, people from La Liga, brought in kind of Gonzalo Rodriguez from Villarreal, centre-back, who's been a rock. Uh, Borja Valero, who kind of bosses the midfield. So those two from Villarreal. Um, and then the big signing last year was Mario Gomez up front, mm-hmm. who sadly got injured um, early the, doors the last season. quite a lot as well, wasn't he? Yeah, linked to Spurs quite a lot. So the Fiorentina's best player is, is Giuseppe Rossi. That's pretty much a given. Um, but he's been blighted, but also linked to, to Spurs quite yeah. a lot over the years. But he's been blighted with with some really bad knee injuries, and he's been out. He was out for half of last season, and and he's already he's been out for the whole of this season so far. He's due back in a couple of weeks, but he's he's not going to make it in time for the for the Spurs game by all accounts. Which is great news for Spurs because he is genuinely, I think, on his day, absolutely world class. He tore Juve to pieces. Um, Juve being Fiorentina's um, not geographical, but, but kind of political and historical rivals. Yeah. Um, that goes back. That's linked to Paul Brady, ex Arsenal. So there's another little tie, but I won't go into that because that'll just get me wound up. Um, <laughs> um, but basically, um, yeah, uh, Gomez and, and Rossi haven't had a chance to strike up a proper partnership because. That when Gomez came into the team, uh, he got injured quite early on last season, and so it was right, it was all on Rossi, and then Ilicic, who's a kind of attacking midfielder, played off him for a bit, kind of worked for a bit, and then Rossi got injured just as uh, Gomez was coming back about this time last year, um, and then Gomez, <laughs> Gomez 
has been playing this season. He's just been getting back to fitness. Um, just in the last couple of weeks, he's, he's, he's got a few goals, scored a brace at Roma um, a week or so ago, which is good. But um, he's still not got to play with Rossi properly yet. So um, it's been a bit of a stilted start um, because they are clearly the two most high-profile players Um at Fiorentina, so for both of them uh, to, to not really be able to strike a partner is very frustrating. It's been a year and a half now they've been together. Um, but th- there's a lot of other good good players and, uh, and the system is is an interesting one. I'm very intrigued to see how it's going to kind of shape up against uh, Pochettino's boys. There's a lots of individual battles that I'm going to be really intrigued about. Um, but overall, I would say, yeah, th- this season has been... Um, up and down, there's been a, a few disappointing results. Lost at home to Lazio, who had, that was a big six-pointer, um, and and the, the wonder kid, uh, the Tuscan babe, uh, Bernadeschi, who's under-21 kind of international. He got injured. He got put out for for quite a while in that game. It was frustrating. Um, lost away at, at Sampdoria three-one, which was another terrible result and a rubbish pitch. But then, like I say, just beat beat Roma in the Coppa Italia last week and, and keep dispatching teams in a similar vein to, to, to Spurs kind of just putting away uh, like Sassuolo yesterday 3-1 away from home a bit of a rotation probably in preparation for the Spurs game um, uh, but you know just you know seeing off quite a few teams but punctuated by the odd capitulation a lot like Spurs yeah. sitting fourth and uh, yeah loads of parallels it's, there. it's interesting you say that then so would you say that like the, the Europa League is Still given a lot more respect than it is by a lot of kind of UK teams, really from the Italians. Because if you're saying they're actually actively resting players ahead of the tie of Tottenham, it's not something you would expect Spurs to do in in reverse, is it? Really? Yeah, obviously, Serie A is is not what it was um, back in the day when I was when I was like what six, um, you know, growing up. Um, Watching that league was ridiculous. It yeah, had all the yeah. stars in the world, all the transfer records were being broken. Um, it, it's clearly a, a league in decline. Juve, are, uh, it kills me to say, it, they are the best team in, in the league, have been for the last few years. Uh, the, Mil- the Milan teams are just like, absolute dirge at the minute. I mean, like AC Milan are a joke. Inter are not too much better. Um, and and you've got Napoli, a decent team, Roma, a decent team. But then Roma got absolutely. Like, tonked by Bayern last season, which was shocked me quite a bit. So it is a league in, that's been in decline for a bit. Um, I would say they do put a, maybe a little bit more um, emphasis on on the Europa League than, well, from my perspective, Spurs do. Um, but Spurs have loads going on in the Prem. It's such a you know, it's such a competitive league. There's you know all the cliches that have been said about the Prem, but it's true. It's it is a brilliantly competitive league. You get full stadiums every week, whereas you might not not do in in Syria. Um, the attendances aren't quite as good. So I think the people look forward to a good European night, um, and it's a great tie. I think it's just a great. It is a little bit of a glamour tie. It's Europa League, Fiorentina, Spurs. I don't think there's obviously I'm biased, but I don't think there's anything to dislike about that tie I think this is going to be a wicked couple of games it's a nice, I think like to to look at the comparison between the Premier League and the Serie A it's quite, it's quite interesting because with Fiorentina we can now see that they've got uh, Micah or Micah whichever way you want to pronounce it Richard yeah. playing it right back uh, how's, how's he taken to Serie A because I know Ashley Cole's actually struggled quite a bit hasn't he I think a lot of people expected him to go over to Serie A and boss it even in his kind of twilight years that he's in now but he has struggled uh, by all accounts I've heard is it a similar story with Richards? 
Uh, yeah, totally the same. Yeah. Um, so actually, Cole started the first few few league games, and then they uh, they moved uh, Florenzi, who's originally a centre mid, to to right back. He's a young Italian, uh, industrious player, and he's done a great job. It, it, Serie has a really um, tactical league so it, it, it obviously actually Cole back in the day in particular he was he was kind of tactically astute um, and knew how the Prem worked and did well on the European stage but Serie A really works in, in its own kind of way it's, it's, it has its own pace and its own and its own tactical style and flow and I think for defenders it can be hard if you've been relying on physical attributes which obviously Michael Richards did even lot more so than um Ashley Cole, I would say, from what I've seen of them playing, um, you know, in, in the Prem. But but Richards actually started the game um, uh, against Sassuolo a couple of days ago. And my dad, rely- I was on the road, but my dad reliably informs me that he was amazing. Um, but my dad's biased and also once said that Chris Eagles was better looking than Francesco Totti. So I would take <laughs> everything he says with a pinch of salt. Um, but, but yeah, Richards hasn't been playing. He's played in Europe a bit more. So in the group stages... He was he was coming in and, and playing in a in a flat back four more often um, and against the Swallow I gather that they played uh, the four at the back um, a couple of days ago which is strange because they have been playing the, the the three five two so I don't know now that it's the knockout stages whether they'll revert to type and and Richards won't get put back in the team or whether he'll he'll get a run because one it's an English club and he'll know he'll know the style and two he, he had a good game at the weekend so I really don't know if he's going to start but he's not settled in so well but every time I've seen him play he's done well and I I really like him I, I want him to do really well. I mean obviously it's it's very early in his career but one of the red flags for me about this uh, this tie is a perhaps a man with a point to prove um, with Mohamed Salah who absolutely tore us to pieces when he was playing for Basel <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah in the same competition. Has now he's I think he's on loan, isn't he, with Fiorentina at the moment? Is it with a view to buy or? Do it is, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It's a, it's part of the Quadrado deal. So um, people will be pleased to hear that Quadrado uh, obviously gone to Chelsea. Um, Quadrado is is Fior- was Fiorentina's best player. That I would say, other than Rossi, I still think Rossi is a more consistent and a better player. Um, I'm not just saying that as sour grapes because he's gone to Chelsea, but um, <laughs> I, I genuinely believe that. But he is a he's a brilliant player. He's a low percentages player, like on his day. That, that was a bit of Raj speak, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> on his days... Uh, he can he, transition the ball well. Yeah, he can, he can, and that's also true. But <laughs> but he's headless, he's massively headless, so against the lower teams, you don't really want him playing because he might, he might do something amazing, but you really want that against the top teams where you need a bit of a spark, where if you, if you, if you think you can dispatch teams anyway, why would you have... Why would you put someone in who's headless who could like absolutely throw you, you know, throw you off, off your momentum just with one stupid moment... Um, and a lack of, you know, work ethic and stuff. So, um, Quadrado, yeah, great player, but but I, I'm I'm actually quite excited to see Salah in in that role. Um, he, he came on uh, against Atalanta last week. Uh, I saw that, and he he looked really good. Um, I reckon he'll probably play off the front man than as opposed to playing wide in the the system that Montella normally plays, unless they go with the the four at the back against Spurs. But I have a feeling they'll go three at the back. I, I don't know, I could be wrong there, but uh, you might see Salah off the front man, and and he scored in his first start two days ago against the Swallow. He scored unassisted, so a lot of people are saying that um, he's looking good. But yeah, it's an it's an eighteen month loan with an option to buy, so we'll we'll see. What happens there? It's a bit of a weird one. 18 months is a long time to be on loan, and I think they want quite a lot of money for him, so we'll see what happens there. But um, I think yeah. they paid a fair amount for him, didn't they? Upwards mm. of 
12, 13 million, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I reckon so, yeah. He, he was wanted by Liverpool as well, wasn't he? So, yeah. Mm. So do you think if you, if you play that three at the back, is there going to be space for us to, given the way that we do play and we set our stall out to have those inverted kind of wingers, do you think there is going to be that room for us to get in in those wide areas at all? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think definitely down the sides is... Is it for me? Obviously, Poch, Poch favours the inverted wingers, but for me, like I would hundred percent go for um, the, the standard. Like, I'd honestly go for. Uh, I'd honestly probably go for a bit of Townsend on the left. Um, it's not normally. It's not normally. You're lucky, my Raj, isn't it, mate? You're yeah, Raj, no, I, I, I am the biggest Lamella apologist in in the world. I mean, it's <laughs> it's quite sad. Uh, my my eternal optimism and love for that. I love the guy. for that man. Yeah, like it's ridiculous. I'm actually sat. No, I'm not going to say. No, I'm going to tell you. I'm sat beneath a little. I've got the little. You know the uh, the card. You know the the, the card. The, uh, the the getting the shot. Let's get the shot with like the, the player like standing with this with the new shirt. Yeah. I've got the Lamella picture card above my bed. Like it's a bit of a joke, but it's also a little bit serious. Anyway, so I'm a massive Lamella apologist, but I genuinely think Townsend on the left would would be would be ideal at this because you've got a back three of Gonzalo Rodriguez um, starting in the centre, who's a brilliant player. I think he's fantastic. He will marshal the defence well. He's not quick, but he's got a good, experienced head on him, and he, he, I just I really rate him. He gets a lot of goals from corners as well. Like, he just he knows what he's doing. So um, Gonzalo Rodriguez, not worried about him so much. Um, from a Fiorentina perspective, but then you go Savic he, just to the right of him, ex City. Um, I saw him play uh, in the middle when when Rodriguez was out a couple of weeks ago, and it was like Vlad on acid. It was honestly <laughs> one of the most scariest things I've ever seen. Um, Sounds so, like a, a name for a concept album, there, Vlad. Yeah, I think I might have to get involved on that. Yeah. Vlad on acid. <laughs> do you want to come in and do some session playing on it? You can get involved if you want. I can do yeah, play the triangle, make some animal noises or something in the background, you know. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so so Savage is he, actually a pretty good defender, but I think in Syria he's used to having quite a bit of time on the ball. He didn't do so well uh, at City. I mean, he was promising, but they weren't too uh, bothered about letting him go. And they kept on Nastasic, who actually came from Fiorentina. I think uh, they were part of the same deal. So um, really, if you're looking at it from that perspective, Nastasic came in. I know he's not doing much now, but he was doing uh, well in... Um, it, it, when he was when he got a run in the team in City's team a year or so ago, and Savage probably a, a slight downgrade on him. So I would say this this base of exploited. I think Savage will probably play to the left of Gonzalo, and then you've got Nenad Tomovic to the right of him, who's big Serbian, um, quite rangy, but again, like he's an adequate Serie A defender, like tactically astute enough, knows the league well enough. But will he be able to contain? The mighty Eric Lamella, probably not. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Like, obviously, I joke a little bit saying that, but I think genuinely any of our um, our kind of it's weird. I don't know if I'm saying ah oh, for Spurs or Fiorentina. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like such a fraud. Um, <laughs> um, any of our Spurs wingers could have could have joy down either side. I reckon. Um, but I think the, the midfield could get a bit congested. One thing that Fiorentina will definitely do is pass it around quite a lot. Um, in the middle, you've got um, David Pizarro in the, if you want to be a little bit, you know, like that, you could call him the Regista uh, or the, the PLO role. Um, but he, I know that's a little bit of a controversial one, but he, uh, basically he'll, he'll sit and he's, he's getting on a bit now. He's 34. He did a little stint at City under Mancini, but I think he only played a couple of games. But he's um, a brilliant player. I love him. Um, 
he, he wants quite a bit of time on the ball, but he also will make a lot of time on the ball for him, uh, for himself. He, he might lose possession the odd time, but he will dictate play if he can. And I've seen him dic- dictate play home and away in Europe. So be wary of David Pizarro. Um, either side of him, you'll have either Borja Valero and, and, and maybe Matty, Matty Fernandez. Borja Valero didn't do so much at West Brom. He'd been absolutely brilliant in Florence in his first season. Not so much this season, but he's been in and out of the team a bit. But he, on his day, he's very fluid in this system and he'll pop up here, there and everywhere. Um, he's got a great touch on him and he's, he gambles. He'll play the ball forward. He'll play through the line. So um, if it would be Capu, Dembele or, 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 or yeah, I don't know who's going to start, probably Mason, you'd say at the minute. Um, it, I'd, I'd probably favour Mason, Bentaleb, that kind of access against Fiorentina. Access, sorry. Um, because... Um, because of the high energy, I think yeah. that the time on the ball—that's a massive factor. Like, there's a massive difference between Serie A and, and and Premier League, obviously, and that. And I think if you can get in and around, like in and around. Sorry, that's a bit town. get in and around um, <laughs> the the diminutive uh, continental midfielders. Uh, I know this is so cliche, but genuinely, in this case, I think it's true. I think that that would be the best way to, to come up against this Fiorentina midfield. It, I think Capu and Dembele in the middle, obviously we've been seeing Dembele a bit further forward in the last couple of weeks have been great, been loving that. Um, that that would be a bit of a disaster against Fiorentina team. I could genuinely see Matty, Matty Fernandez, who was actually a South American footballer of the year um, back in the day when he was at Colo Colo, drifted a bit, but he's got real ability. He can, dead ball ability and just, just moving through the lines, him and Borja Valero uh, could be. I think yeah. Capu and Dembele against anyone would be a bit of a disaster nowadays, wouldn't it? Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, <laughs> I mean, where do, where do you think their their real danger lies, um, Fiorentina? Where are they in the way in which Spurs have been set out? What we've seen of the team so far this season, where can they really hurt us? Where can Fiorentina hurt Spurs? Um, it's it's quite a funny one because like I'd be so. I, I'd be so in on just saying, like, Rossi. Like, straight up, last season, you'd have told me, I'd have said, the guy can create space for others. He's magic. He'll score from outside the box, inside the box. Um, he's very one-footed, but, but it's, it's irrelevant talking about him because he's out of the game. Yeah, 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 totally. But, he, he, you know, like Gareth Bale, he's out of the game. Um, <laughs> um, and so, I would say... I would say Pizarro from deep will create spaces. Um, will create. He'll, he'll try and dictate the tempo. Especially it's in Florence. The, you know the game in Florence, which I'm lucky enough to be going to. Can't wait. And that's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be the one to, to to really press on and and try and like you know make him make those errors. He is 34. He will make the errors, and you don't want him to be dictating the play because in Italy that. It can just get a bit turgid and really hard to like break Fiorentina down in that sense, and he can dictate from the back. Line. So he he would be a big one for me. But um, going forward, I'd say Salah looks pretty sharp, and he's been playing in 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 uh, the Premier League. So obviously he hasn't been playing that many games, but he'll be tra- he'll be used to be training with the Chelsea players. He'll be up on that kind of Mourinho intensity day in day out. So um, the early signs are that he's going to be um, uh, pretty pretty dangerous, but. You'd have to say Mario Gomez historically would be the boy. He's not the player he was, but he in the last month he has been getting back to a bit of the form we were seeing um, back in Bayern. Like he uh, he's he's very ungainly. He's not a nice player to watch at all. He's quite a good-looking guy and he's pretty cool, but 
he's nice to look at in a suit, but he's definitely not nice to look at on the pitch. He he's quite awkward. Um, he doesn't seem like he's ever trying too hard. I don't, I don't think. But um, so he, I was going to say, so what better way to get him back on track than a visit from Doctor Tottenham? Right? Exactly, exactly. Doctor Tottenham is is the perfect uh, <laughs> the perfect way to get him back going. But yeah, he scored against scored two at the Olympico last week. Um, he he does have that knack for scoring, and he's done it at the very top level. I can see him. I can see him netting. I could see him netting home or away. Really, if he, he only needs his one chance. Um, Actually, since he's been at Fiorentina, he's been needing a few chances. But like I say, in the last month, you've seen him, you've seen him kind of come on as a player and 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 yeah, go back to to a little shades of the Gomez that we we all know from. Only it seems weird saying it, but only a couple of years ago he was starting at the Euros for Germany, and he was. I know you shouldn't put too much uh, importance on it, but he was the most expensive player you could you could well. buy on uh, on fantasy football that <laughs> summer. So like, obviously he's a brilliant striker. Uh, no, but yeah, so you've got you've got to watch out for him. Another player coming through who scored two at the weekend is Kuma Babakar. I was going to ask about Babakar. Right, Babakar's an interesting one. Um, I saw him play at Villa Park a few years ago in a pre-season friendly, and he is a bit like Harry Kane. Yeah. Like I don't I obviously, like I said, I don't get the. New nuances and of the language and I don't, I'm not as involved totally obviously um, with the fan base as I am with, with, with Spurs um, but, but the <laughs> the kind of vibe I get from the ground and from talking to friends and stuff is that he's a little bit like the hurricane thing, he came through a little bit early, did a few loans never really really did it in, in Serie B on loan and um, he's just come through this season and he had a bit of a breakout game against Inter, scored an absolute screamer at home um, and burst onto the scene, and he's he, whenever he's coming to the side, he's looked dangerous. He's he's physical. He's uh, he's he came over from Senegal as a kid, um, but he's pretty much um, Italian. He's lived you know he lived in Italy for however long, and um, he gets the league. He gets the style of play. He's wily. He's got a bit of the bony about him that he's he's, he's physical. He's got a ping on him, but he can use his body in quite intelligent ways. He's nowhere near the level of someone like Wilfred Bonny. He's, he's a prospect, but if you see him coming on towards the end of the game or, or, or maybe even a surprise start, um, he, he could cause problems. But to be honest, I, I would probably say I would not expect him to be to be starting. Um, uh, someone I've just remembered who's been out of the team for a bit, who just came back, uh, came on um, as a sub last week against Osweiler, was Alberto Aquilani from... Ex-Liverpool, ex yeah, Liverpool's yeah. finest uh, midfielder, part of that amazing Hodgson era, um, part of the, I think, <laughs> Paulson aquilani axis of doom. Sure, that... <laughs> probably most remembered for that horrific gladiator banner, the, the cop held aloft when they signed him. Yeah, I yeah. I saw that. But... And I, 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 do you know, like, a little bit of me appreciates it, but a lot of me thinks it's the most cringe <laughs> thing of all time. Um <laughs> But yeah, Aquilani is one of those like I'm almost admired him from afar more than than when he came to, to Fiorentina. Since he's been at Fiorentina, he's been in about two and a half years, I think now. Mm. I might be wrong; they might be three and a bit years, but I think it's two and a half years. When he first came, I was so buzzing because I loved him at Roma, and I actually, uh, you know, I wanted him to do all right at Liverpool. I didn't want Liverpool to do well, but I wanted him to not get as much stick as he did. And he never really got a run; he got injured and went out on loan and stuff. But um, since he's been at Fiorentina, he's he's a bit of a a weird one. He's so slow, ridiculously slow, um, like treacle level, like Stombuli. But he's got that thing that Stombuli's got. He's like really aware of what's going on around him, um, 
He's certainly days to say that about Stan Billy, but I, I, I really like him so far. Um, and he's got a bit of steel about him. Um, Aquilani doesn't have that steel, but he does have a fine passing range. And he's very much a Serie A player. I don't know how he'll get on in Europe because he's, again, one of those came through in Serie A, knows the league, knows the tempo and the flow of the league. Um, has been, uh, yeah, was a great player, a youth player at Roma and, and was a mainstay of Prandelli's midfield for for the national team, you know, for a while. But I, I, I really, I, I can't see him having the intensity to, to trouble Spurs, really. And I think what, what we've seen from his time in the Premier League, I would, yeah, I'd be a bit hesitant to say that he's going to come in and do well, yeah. So just after Ryan Mason's giving him a good kick in. Exactly. I mean? Honestly, if, if Mason and Bentaleb get up in any of these um, midfielders, like... Grill, uh, for want of a better phrase. <laughs> up in the uh, grill, so, yeah. Obviously, I'm such a G. Uh, i just come back with my folk music tour. Uh, but he's, um, yeah, we're going to see, we're going to see them panic. I really get, and we've seen that in in the league from Fiorentina. You know, teams that get up and up and about and at them in in around in and, and around their them. grills and stuff. Yeah. It, it hurts. Decent you know, like, blokes. Yeah, they, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you get the good uh, lads on them, get going in hard on them, then then they might shrink away. So we'll see. Um, another interesting player that I should also mention is is Joaquin um, ex Betis. Another one um, widely linked to Spurs a few years back as well. Yeah, like like one probably like the the, the fourth best player on Pez two thousand and five. I think Fiorentina. Um, I was just looking through Fiorentina's <laughs> squad actually. It's kind of like. An example of what Tottenham could have been, really. Like, yeah, looking like at a lot of the players yeah, yeah. in there. It is, yeah, it is. And and Joaquin is getting on a bit. He's totally different. He's really evolved as a player, and I really like that. I, I used to watch quite a bit of, of Betis, and I've been to Seville a couple of times. I'm a bit of a um, European football bastard, child whore. Um, but <laughs> uh, I've, I've I've always liked Joaquin quite a lot, and. Uh, I always thought he was kind of um, a physical, bustling, direct right winger. And I suppose he was that for a while. And then when he went to Malaga, he slowed down a little bit and you started seeing him being more tactically astute and cutting inside, giving and going. And, and his, his touch and awareness coming to the fore a bit more in a kind of... Remember when Pienaar played for us, he had, didn't really have that pace, but he was always come on and steady the ship a little bit. Pienaar played for us. It, well, <laughs> I do believe he played at the San Siro in that win, so before yeah. you do this, Barry. I know, yeah. I know. He, 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 he responded to me on Twitter once, actually, Stephen Pino. Yeah. Really, did he? Yeah, um, that's I, my claim to fame. That's a bloody that's, good that's one, it, mate. mate. I know, that's, right. that's amazing, mate, yeah, fair play. Um, <laughs> it's going to be etched on my tombstone, that, mate. Yeah, so yeah. Don't, you know, if we're talking about being disparaging of, 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 of particular <laughs> achievements, you know. Okay, oh no, okay, oh, no, I bow to your superior um, Twitter profile. Um, so, um, um, yeah. I know it's a bit of a random one to, to make, but it's the first player that came to mind. Uh, someone who's got a good touch, and uh, it's probably a bad one, bad uh, g- connection to make because uh, Pienaar didn't really do too much for us. But <laughs> but but in that kind of way, yeah. he's, he's a winger that will steady the ship and he'll forgive and go. Uh, he'll track back and he, he won't leave too much. He's, 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 he knows how to exploit um, space as well. He's not got the pace he used to, but I reckon. Joaquin on the right against Danny Rose at left back could be a problem. I reckon. Um, I reckon I'd probably go Davies against Joaquin if Joaquin starts because I think Davies, even though he isn't like the as physically and you know an athletic, um, uh, athletically imposing as Rose, he's definitely he's got a little bit more up top, and I reckon that's what 
you'd probably go for against a wily old um, stalwart of the European game like Joaquin. So, um, I, yeah, I would be a little bit worried, you know, seeing like Rose line up against um, Joaquin. But, but I don't know. Like I'm saying that now, Rose might just clutter him and. Uh, uh, Spurs might go into a 4-0 lead and it might just be pointless as having this chat because Serie A is so far behind the Premier League. <laughs> Anything could happen. I really don't know. It's really interesting. Really, really interesting. I tell you what, we'll, uh, if, if, if time allows, we'll get you back on next week as well, mate, to talk after, the, uh, after this leg and see. Yeah, do, you reckon, do you reckon you'll be able to jump in, perhaps? Um, I'd honestly, absolutely love to and I'd cool. probably be yeah. a little bit less nervous because I'll, I'll be like kind of a bit of an old time of this pod so, by then and so. you'll probably be happy because Spurs or you know Spurs have <laughs> won so I'll, eat, I'll be equal parts happy and disappointed probably no I'll, so, I'll obviously be happy if, uh, if either team wins. you're asking for you're asking for Twitter abuse for this mate I, right? I know I am I who's this fella you got on saying he's a Spurs fan yeah I know, that's no, it, it mate that's, it's that's... awful I will, what I will say is obviously Spurs are my um, <laughs> premier team they are I, I live in England I soak it up last. well I live in London now which is great I get to go to um, loads more games than I used to I get to go to quite a few more w- midweek games now um, more than the weekend games because of, of my work schedule but it's great being involved in the in the community. I, I just I'm absolutely loving loving being down there. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm never going to get that with Fiorentina, but I can still appreciate them from afar. Um, and it's going to be two great games. I think everyone's going to enjoy it. Like, uh, it, how can you not be up for Fiorentina Spurs? You know? Just just start going to the lane and stabbing opposition fans in the bum, mate. That's that's how you can show you, <laughs> you can show you Fiorentina yeah. colours that yeah. way. Well, yeah. Well, there's, there there's a that I would not that I advocate pe- violence. Of course, no. I would, I would hate to for anybody to uh, assume that Fiorentina are the type of club that would have fans that would, you know, share the kind of right wing and violent kind of views that those Lazio fans do. I mean, Lazio are just a despicable club, in my opinion. Like, I won't go into it, but West Ham's Fiorentina Millwall, are not like that. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah, West Ham's well, West Ham's yeah. Millwall, yeah, Italy's Millwall. I meant to say, but same difference. Um, yeah. All right, then, Bo, well, thanks very much for joining us this week, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully speak to you next week. Cheers, man. Yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, that'd be cool. Thanks very much to, to Jack and Blair. Sadly, that's, that's all we've got from Jack this week. He's, uh, as I say, he's, he's pulled a bit of a diva strop and he's gone on his own, but um, I've not yet listened to that segment that was recorded earlier, if I'm to tear down the fourth wall, but you have, Seven. You're very, very impressed by, by what um, Belay had to say about Fiorentina and the man himself, aren't you? Yeah, well, impressed, also jealous. He seems to be quite talented, which is always devastating to, to see. He's got his own Wikipedia page, which kind of says it all, but have actually been spent, uh, have actually spent the last sort of um, rest of the afternoon when I should have been working listening to um, some of Blair's stuff on, on Spotify and it's really recommended. He's, um, there's one track, he, he seems to, um, he, he did a bit of a collaboration with um, an American group called Larkin Poe. There's a track on there with them called Killing Time, which is really cool, which um, anybody listening might enjoy. But uh, yeah, have a look, he's uh, Blair. Do you just search for search for Blair Dunlop on, yeah, on Google and he'll come up or Spotify or whatever? Yeah, go on Spotify and all of all of his albums come up and um and yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And um actually I went on his Wikipedia page and he was in he was uh he was in um the Johnny Depp version of Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Which just made me which again, now it just made me jazz. I just thought, what am what am I doing with my life? What us? Uh I don't know. I haven't seen it, but he was in it, which I don't well, next time we speak to him, I'm, I'm going to be able to ask him about his experiences on Charlie and the Chocolate. No, much better now. I, I'm, I'm going to start pretending that he's, he's one of my friends. 
like uh, <laughs> when I go out, like I'm going to wear my my Blair Dunlop T-shirt to bars and, and impress women. Uh, so, Blair, if you're listening, don't don't bust me with. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. That lie, just just uh, go along with it. <laughs> we're, we're we're piling up our, our musical friends on this podcast. I mean, our our intro, intro and outro music are done by the uh, the the noise psychedelic band Hookworms that that kindly never charges for using as their material. So um, we're building up a little collection. But if we if we try and talk about football a little bit, um, we've got West Ham coming up this weekend, and you know it, they were they were the perfect start for Pochettino this. Uh, this year, when you know, after last season, we lost to them three times, and they got a bit overexcited with their t-shirts and the cup finals, and they were, you know, they they pretty much grabbed that season by its horns, and were, you know, couldn't believe the Christmases had all come at once, really. Um, but we snatched it, Eric Dio, with oh, a last-minute goal, and I remember uh, I was working that day, as I, I often do when Spurs play at three p.m. on a Saturday, um, which is always unfortunate. But it was one of those where, when the goal went in, I did that silent stand up out of my chair at my desk and punched the air while I was doing something else um, in recognition <laughs> that, that Tottenham had done something right. And I've, I've pretty much got that move down to a T. I did it again at the weekend when we when we beat um, beat Arsenal, but there was slightly more audio to that celebration. Um, but um, what do you think of West Ham? They've, they're obviously having a, a cracking season. They're um, they're not as terrible as um, have been previously. Big Sam's getting a bit full of himself, as he does after a win or two, and uh, they're right up there in the league. I mean, Stuart Downing's come out with some absolutely nonsensical comments about him uh, him saying that they're man for man, they're probably as good as Tottenham, which is, you know, paints a picture of just how fucking stupid he is. But um, how, how have you found their season? Do, do you think they're any any sort of threat for us on the weekend? Yeah, they're a threat. They're, up until six weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, I was really impressed by them. They dropped off a little bit, but they are they're vastly different to what they were last season. And and um, the, the, I, I say three players, four players maybe that we have to really look out for. Uh, Downing's playing very well, although again he's he's dropped off a level perhaps. Uh, Diafra Sacco up front is absolutely excellent. Um, he's everyone knows about his goals, but. Um, in, 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 you don't necessarily associate um, kind of complete forward play with, with someone who looks like him because he's not the biggest, but his all-round game is, is very, very good. Uh, Enna Valencia is a, is a threat, and what he does in around the penalty box, but also in the channels, is very good. Um, and the other one is Alex Song, who is a, a different level of player to, to what, you know, West Ham used to have with you know Mark Noble in the middle and had Matty Taylor last season playing in the centre, and Song just gives them um, not just sort of a, a bit of defensive rigidity and you know a bit of ball winning in that area, but he's a really strong 
uh, deep line playmaker. You know, all the things that he was at Arsenal, which was, you know, he was sort of seen as more of a kind of attacking, free spirited sort of midfielder. He's added a bit of discipline to his game. And um, he'll be a match to whatever, for whatever we do going forward. Um, and also someone who a lot of their attacking game goes through. So um, I'd say, you know, uh, that kind of places an emphasis on, on what Christian Eriksen does off the ball on Sunday. Got to make, got to take uh, some space away from him. Got to hassle, got to do all the things that Eriksen has been doing really well. But, you know, make sure he doesn't again, basically. Uh, Are you familiar with the, um, with the Shakespeare play The Tempest at all? I am, yeah. You know when you were describing Alex Song, it reminded me of there's like a fairy character in that. Ariel. I can't remember. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Ariel, the you know the way you described him as free spirited and whatnot. <laughs> um, sort of for some reason, the way my mind worked, I began to picture Alex Song sat in the middle of uh, the Tempest. But you know, um, I don't think that's the the level of analysis that people have come to expect of us. Oh, oh, that's, no, we we had pretty good cultural high point there Shakespeare oh, that was, uh, was impressive it's almost as good as that time that me you and Jack sat and spoke for about 20 minutes about Byron after uh, a podcast recording yeah, we should, we should have had that we should have done that on the air that should have been recorded that bit that was we were just discussing about um, he went to Oxford or Cambridge didn't he and he took a bear with him and and just that that jolly that sex jolly that him and Mary Shelley and the rest of them went on through Italy and the rest of it there was, uh, was there quite you... a time to be alive yeah well that's where, that's, where, that's where Frankenstein comes from they um marry um uh, Byron Percy Shelley Mary Shelley um, and some random doctor guy who isn't in any way famous in a literary sense they had a, a little uh, story writing competition and um, Mary Shelley's efforts were the, um, the the formative parts of what became Frankenstein and they're all around Lake Geneva at Lord Byron's house doing it it's great yeah, I mean, uh, I think you can actually. There's a, that second uh, season of the trip with Coogan and Bryden. Is it Rob Bryden? Um, yeah, the Michael Winterbottom thing. They um, they went through the uh, their path essentially through Italy, and it was uh, the most picturesque places imaginable down the south coast. Um, holidays, I'd very much like to take one day, but. Um, if we we're going to speak about West Ham in much more detail, obviously when we speak to Sam Dish in a minute, yeah. but <laughs> it's not going to all be about. Interesting point about West Ham because I just before we started doing this, I, I was having a look through at some of the um, the stuff that's come out of their defeat on Sunday because they, they lost at West Brom pretty heavily and they were they were dreadful. And I've I've been reading up on some of the fan reaction to that and some of the abuse that sort of David Sullivan has got and Allardyce has got. Because the, the fans were, were pretty audibly chanting against Allardyce at the Hawthorns, and I found that amazing. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm would happily become president of the anti-Sam Allardyce club, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand him, but um, I just thought that was incredibly harsh. I mean, they've had a great season, and he's odious in so many ways. He's unbearably arrogant. Uh, he's more, he's like a more obnoxious Brendan Rodgers. But to, to turn on him on the basis of... I, I, it was extraordinary. I, I don't know if you caught that. I just thought it was... I did. Uh, I think I take heart with them. Um, the, the thing that I... Having lived through a Tim Sherwood managerial spell at Tottenham, <laughs> I now have real sympathy with when fans have real discontent with whoever is at their club, whoever is, you know, the, the figurehead of their club is seen in the media as sort of the representative of, of what their club means and is... As, a, as an entity, um, if they're not entirely happy with that in any way, then I don't, 
there's no way that I can ever empathise with a West Ham fan and, and know what it is to support that club. So if they've got some sort of feeling towards their manager that they don't feel he is rightly projecting what they wish him to be for them, then, you know, I, I, I think it's up to them, really. I mean, footballing is one thing, um, because obviously they are doing quite well. But if he is, as you say, as odious and as, as up his own arse as he, as he tends to be, then you, you get the impression that he's not really somebody that you'd want at your club, purely for the fact that he is so detestable. But it, obviously that is something we'll we'll come on to and speak to with Sam. But um, the game itself, if, if I could push you for a score prediction... No, I think we'll win. I um, I think they, I think West Ham are on a downtrend. I think they've become a little, I don't know. There's, I think that they're affected by some of the issues that 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 have been affecting us, that affected us last week. Um, I'm not sure they're quite as vibrant as they were a few weeks ago. Um, I think they were defensively a little bit suspect. They certainly looked it at the weekend. Um, and I think you know Danny Rose's side were defending pretty well. So I think, um, you know, I think we'll win that three one. Will the uh, will the cane train keep on rolling? Expect so. Yeah, I I I like him to do. I think he can hurt that. Um, I'm not I'm not James Tompkins' greatest fan. Uh, I also don't think Winston Reid is is quite as good as everyone pretends he is. I think he's especially susceptible to pace uh, and any kind of sort of dynamic player. And, and that is, okay, Kane's not the quickest, but he's a very physical runner. He's a very direct player. Um, he's exactly the sort of player that can hurt West Ham. Um, and yeah, no, I think we'll have too much of him. Brilliant. All that will be discussed with Sam Dis by myself in a minute and much more besides. <laughs> Sam, welcome back on the show. It's been a while since we, since we last spoke to you. Um, I mentioned off-air to Sam Professional that you sound more Essex to me now than you used to. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, I uh, haven't actually noticed that. Uh, myself, hearing myself all the time, but uh, take that as a compliment, I guess. I don't, I ain't really sure to know. It's a it's a nice you know combination of worlds. Our accents coming together. It's almost as if if like Emmerdale and EastEnders did a crossover episode. You know, like how the Avengers do. Yeah, no, totally. It'd be properly shit, wouldn't it? <laughs> Danny Dyer walking through a farm. Oh, I'd love that. He'd look great in like a barber jacket and some wellies. Call it calling a sheep a slag. <laughs> hey, mate, I'm onto that now. If we get if we'll get hold of the producers, we'll sort that out. I'm sure between the two of us, we can come up with a script for half an hour's worth of telly. It's, oh, yeah. comic, re- it's comic relief soon. They'll be up for that. Yeah, I mean, you just write it and I'll just throw in some cunts every time. <laughs> you can, you, you're purely in charge of Danny Dyer's script. You just write. <laughs> I'm not sure I can get away with writing cunt that many times in a script. But... No, nah, probably not. I'll just pace around the room. I'll just I'll just say, dictate, Raj, and then you can just do that. <laughs> anyway, we've we've actually got to talk about football, unfortunately. Oh, because it means we've got to mention West Ham. Um, you got we, we didn't get to speak to you early on in the season, which is unfortunate, because we yeah. actually managed to beat you, um, which didn't happen a lot last season. I know. Um, if I give you give you five minutes to enjoy yourself here and, and talk about last season, um, I believe, I'm not sure if you owned the It Happened Again t-shirt or not, I wouldn't put it past you, but uh, you beat us three times last year, twice in a league, once in a cup. I know, mate. Uh, it was absolutely uh, disgraceful from a ton of perspective because <laughs> we didn't turn up in any of the games. But, you know, what was it like for West Ham? Because obviously we, we take the piss and we say it's your cup final yeah. and whatnot, but uh, you obviously enjoyed yourselves. Oh, no, totally. I mean, uh, by and large, it was a pretty shocking season by all accounts. So it was like a, one of the rare bright spots in it. And obviously, I think that um, as much as I hate to say it, Tottenham probably are our biggest game of the season. And I hate to sort of revert to type and give Tottenham fans what they want to hear but um, it just is it's just one of those games and 
But um, I, I think I mentioned last time I was on the podcast last season that um, I feel like it bought a little bit too much goodwill. Um, a couple of decent results against rival teams for Big Sam when he was having a really tough time of it. I know he's had a good start to the season, but um, if you paid any attention to our game at the weekend, it's all kind of fallen apart now, like a very shitly made Yorkshire pudding. Because I'm, or a very bad analogy, as I as, yeah. as I like to put it. But like, he's just I, I don't I don't know if his like arrogance creeping in again. But like last season was bad, and then as soon as it got good, I think that West Ham just kind of, or most West Ham fans anyway, just kind of forgot what it was like. I mean, it, like when when you hear reports of some West Ham fans saying that they think that. Uh, European footballs in our in our offing. I mean, you have to just wonder what they're, what they're on because uh, this sort of sorry to to skip ahead, but it just leads me to Stuart Downing saying that <laughs> man, man for man we're uh, we're as good as Tottenham. Or did he say as good or better? No, as good as I don't think he went better. I oh think God, he if, been, if, if, yeah, he would have been said, checked in somewhere if oh, he mate, said yeah, you were better. They'd have strung him up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just at the end of the day, we're a we're a we're a comfortably mid-table team and I would take that lot in the league to be honest uh, last season great beating you lads this season an extremely disappointing uh, loss to you at the start only because uh, we kind of got used to uh, beating you so I guess we're kind of taking it for granted but uh, I should imagine we'll revert to type and give you a half decent game I hope probably well, maybe we mentioned that first game of the season yeah the, the turning point was probably around a player that me and you often disagree about. Mm. Noble. Um, yes. I call him a Poundland footballer. Yeah, and that, that, um, that, you know that always gets my back up. <laughs> bargain basement Jack Wilshire that he is. Well, that's not. Um, and you, you like him. I yeah. mean, the, the players that you've got at the moment, you've got Alex Song and, and uh, Diafra Sacco and, yeah. and Downing are playing in midfield. And Noble's been in and then out of the side, hasn't he? So he's... He, you sort of you seem to do well when Allardyce didn't have any Allardyce players available to him, so he's <laughs> almost painted into a corner where people call him what was it Sam Aladici, where he uh, he does his uh, he does his fancy tactics and that. I think I think the, the people that call him that are mostly himself. <laughs> and he uh, yeah he looks he looks like a pig in shit when he's won, doesn't he? Uh, oh gosh, quite, yes. quite literally. The world's um, biggest grin, isn't he? But you've you you had a cracking start to the season. I mean, I don't yeah. think anyone can deny that. You've you're still in the top half of the league, which I'm not trying to be condescending or anything, but that's quite an achievement for a club of West Ham size. And yeah, one hundred percent. Given that you're going to be going into the new stadium and anything, it, it gives you a, a solid footing of you know the the Pawn Brothers are probably going to try and send you, sell you off at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that I think that's basically why they were so keen on getting the stadium. I think that they thought that that was like quite a big coup. And that that would sort of like attract the attention of of some proper big money people that they can quickly off it. And fair play to them. I mean, they took us from a time of instability where West Ham basically caused the uh, global financial crisis by crashing all of Iceland. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, like fair play to them. They're both disgusting and weird and creepy. And uh, David Gold's son. It, no, it's, um, who's the one who got the cunt son on Twitter? One of the uh, it's, it's the gold one, isn't it? Yeah, gold him. Gold Junior. 
Bellend. I mean, I've never wanted to beat up a 14-year-old kid before, but fair play. <laughs> he reminds me of, um, I'm not sure if you, you were aware of this or not, but last season, yeah. a, uh, a Twitter sensation for Tottenham, <laughs> which I, I haven't spoken about for a while, but it makes me immensely happy every time I think about him, is uh, Eric Lamella's brother, Brian Lamella. Oh, that's who, a brilliant name for Lamella, isn't it? He, exactly, Brian Lamella. He... Uh, he sounds like he was named in Yorkshire. He gets um, <laughs> he, he he used to some sort of corporate espionage. He got involved in where he yeah. started to tweet like team news twenty four hours before it was released. So Bloody people hell. would like fans would like get on board with him, like feed him loads of oh we love your brother, we love your brother. We'd not seen his brother play for about three months by this point, and he'd start following him back and everything, and was like, all right, sound. <laughs> and then we'd ask him like, oh. Is your brother playing tomorrow? Do you know who's playing? He's like, oh, he's injured. <laughs> My brother's not in the team. Oh, I'm fucking like, hell. I can just imagine people at the club going, you're not supposed to be saying this yet, kid. I mean, we've got 24 hours before we kick off. But yeah, the, the gold... I mean, you, they had a bit of a Twitter nightmare on uh, deadline day involving Adibayor, didn't they? Don't go to bed yet. Yeah, I know. Um... That's probably just him trying to shift a few more dildos, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he can go fuck himself. I know about that. <laughs> he, like... It's just, I think anyone who signs off every tweet with their initials doesn't, like, should should not be allowed uh, to use Twitter. Like, his wife or someone just needs to go, nah, David, just come just come back to bed. Please stop embarrassing yourself and the some five million West Ham fans in the world or however, however many fucking people he's embarrassed. It's just, uh, I mean, like, he should, like, He's clearly a very savvy bloke. He's grown up in in uh, uh, like in in, in, a, in a position where he's had to kind of like bring himself up, and I think fair play to him. I mean, people take the piss out of the porn and stuff, but he's just made money. <laughs> he's made money where there was where there was no money. It's not like he's been born into it and he's ended up in like his dad's fucking real estate firm or some bollocks. But, uh, like just just make have some sort of savvy about you don't go and be a cunt on twitter like you just you just want to say to him david please just stop have a little sit down have a cup of tea just it reminded me of that time uh famously in the summer uh leeds united um a club which most of my mates support um they they went about the last hour of the summer window they sold about three or four of their best players yeah, no, and then their no. social media manager <laughs> when the window had closed tweeted and that, that that last hour was very busy for us we're gonna gonna have a cup of tea now and settle down because that was a really busy window and the <laughs> amount of hate they got like it was something you'd tweet if you'd signed about 10 players and they're all fantastic but like no self-awareness whatsoever you have, that to, they, you have to wonder what goes to the reds because this is this is literally their job it's it's their job to not make themselves look like idiots on twitter I, the mind the mind literally boggles mate they should they should put us in charge of clubs like people like me and you who would just speak honestly just like normal <laughs> ones it's been shit lads i'm not gonna lie this one's it's been terrible today I'm sure fans would give you much more time a day, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. But I think clubs would probably shit themselves. But no, 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 no you can't say that. What about our our community charities and stuff? They'll, they'll shit themselves because no one's ever heard the word fuck before on, on social media. Everything yeah. will implode. And do, you have that, do you have that at West Ham? Because something that's quite... Quite annoying at Tottenham is that essentially our social media account is just the, yeah. the face of our marketing campaign and it's purely there to get Americans to buy shirts and get you know, <laughs> people from other countries and things to get interested in the club and uh, post the odd picture of you know Christian Eriksen practising free kicks and that's all they ever do. It's you know The only reason I follow it is to try and get news when it comes through and that's you know few and far between. But is that 
probably at a smaller scale at West Ham, I imagine. I don't think there's too many Americans walking around in their sponsorless shirts. <laughs> no, I mean, funny enough, there's not. I mean, also, I don't understand what it is about West Ham sponsors. I think <laughs> you, you've got a fantastic record. Oh, yeah, no, we're cursed. You, you can imagine, I, I should imagine that West Ham have to go to sponsors and go, can you please sign us? And they're like, um, sponsor us. And they're like, oh, well, it's not really worked out very well in the in the past, uh, David's. Uh, might have to give that one a miss. I don't know if, like... You imagine, like, they'd, uh, they'd, they'd sign up Apple for the season and suddenly Microsoft had come out <laughs> with the best phone in the world. Oh, mate, yeah. Um, I think if... Um, Apple started sponsoring us, fucking Microsoft stocks would go through the roof. We'd probably, we'd probably crash the fucking market again. Excellent. I mean, to talk, we touched on some of your players earlier, the likes of Nolan and Carroll. Carroll's actually been quite good. He, surprisingly, when he was fit, he actually looks like a, a half-decent footballer. Probably not 30, mm. 35 million that the Liverpool once paid for him, but you know, <laughs> no. closer to the 10, 15 that he's actually worth. Yes. But, him and Kevin Nolan are obviously um, mm. sort of built to play with one another, as you know, not not in a double entendre sort of way, um, but you yeah. know, they um, you know, they're obviously very close. But is he is he a big miss, or is, is it probably better off that the likes of them don't play? Um, I think I think one of the the only good things about um, Carol being out is that it doesn't really leave a, an excuse for Nolan to be in the team at all. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing that he still does get in. It feels like a weird sort of like... I don't know if... I don't know what the relationship is between Allardyce and Nolan other than them just being, like, mates. Because it feels like a weird nepotistic thing in that we've got... We've, we signed uh, Morgan Amalfitano, who is, for all intents and purposes, a much better player than a man who can barely run around and doesn't even do the one thing which is score which is the the thing that he he was only ever able to do he, i he, he's made he's stock in trade apart from pricing up scaffolding is um just return like entering into the box late getting getting a knockdown getting a goal he hasn't even got the legs to get there anymore like i don't understand what sort of like a fat tim cahill <laughs> yeah a bit i mean if only i mean tim cahill sort of put himself about a bit and at least looked like he wanted to be there um, pretty much every time I've seen Nolan this season, it looks like he'd rather be uh, down in half a bottle of whatever, down in one nine five, or going out clubbing in Epping or something. Because like it just it just doesn't look interesting anymore. He ain't got the legs, and he's not even like rousing the team or anything. Like, what's his purpose? Is like, he still captain? Um, I can tell you what, mate. I can't actually remember. Like, um, but I've, I've definitely seen him captain at least once this season. Because it was like you just don't understand why he's what's he there for? Because you've got Winston Reid, who yeah. there's rumours he might be joining Tottenham. Nobody really knows where he's going. Other than I, the think fact that he's... Great, I think he'd be a great signing, though. To be fair, he'd, he'd provide a bit of stability, and he's a, he's a good mobile uh, centre half who's not not one of your, your fancy Dan types, but he, he'll win every header and he'll he'll, uh, he'll he'll win you a few tackles as well, which I suppose uh, some of your lads are a bit shy to do at times. At times, not not so much this season. We've had a bit of fire put into the belly by Pochettino, which is nice to see. Yeah, uh, we were talking about your red card this weekend before we came. Mm-hmm. On, you yeah. knocking people out on Sunday League. Yeah, I mean, I probably can't talk about that for legal reasons because I I, uh, <laughs> I I felt so bad for the kid. He had uh, I fractured his cheekbone and left him concussed, and I had to get his number. And all he said was that your quiff was out of place. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. To be fair, I totally forgot about that. He had it coming. I mean, <laughs> strike what I said from the record. He, like, I, I regret nothing. We had um, we had one listener question from a man whose name I'm not even going to profess to try and 
you know, <laughs> pronounce, who said that, what What do you think about the fact that you you didn't do any business in January? I mean, we took the piss out of them tweeting that you you don't go to bed, but you tried to buy Adibayor, and from a Tottenham perspective, you were more than welcome to him. Yeah. Um, the, the, the sticking point looked to be the fact that you wanted us to subsidise his wages to play for you. And we wanted you to essentially just take him. And if you want him, you can pay his wages while he's there. Um, do, do you think that was a deal that you probably should have been doing? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, like everyone knows, Adebayo is one of those players who's great on loan because he's a mercenary and he just wants anything that will secure him a contract. I mean, if, if it come down to it and the only way that we'd be able to get him is to buy him outright, I think that, that would have been a completely shocking decision. But obviously West Ham's are, are no, uh, no strangers to the odd uh, weird decision or two. I, I, th- I think that um, not signing in the summer, uh, in, in January, sorry, uh, could hurt us, especially since we've got quite a, a fragile um, forward line. I mean, Valencia seems to be pretty sturdy but he's like while he's always looked impressive he's not really getting the goals I mean I've got complete faith in him that he'll, he'll eventually come good but at the minute like I don't, it doesn't feel like we can rely on him and Jaffa Sacco's really not been the same player since he had a, like an injury when he was having his good goal scoring run and uh, like I think he got injured by his his national team masseuse or something <laughs> when I remember I remember Is that the opposite of a happy ending? That's the opposite yeah it's just like Oh, do you like that? Oh, I'm really sorry, mate. I accidentally <laughs> just just broke your back there. Oh, well. You, you uh, got in trouble, didn't you? Because wasn't he? You said he was injured, <laughs> too injured to go to the African Cup of Nations, yeah. and then he was well, miraculously think, fit again. Well, it's down to the player, I think. In the, in these situations, I, I think if if he says he wasn't fit, then he wasn't fit. I mean, um, I'm sure there's a deadline to when you can go out there for, and that deadline had passed, and then he played. So, like, you might not be fit to go out there. But then you might be fit a week later. I mean, I don't know. It was all like a weird grey area or whatever. But anyway, we, I don't know. I mean, as long as, long as we got through it. I mean, well, to be fair, we only got through it just to get fucking tanked by West Brom. So if anything, I'd rather just let let Bristol City have it and then just sort of go out with our heads held sort of like medium height. Are you... Um, how how do you feel towards Allardyce? And I mean, you, you've said that he's obviously had that good start and yeah. it's, it's tailed off a bit. But do you think he's... What's the what's the large fan fan view of him? Is he is he somebody that you'd want to keep at the club or um, there's nobody really better than him at that sort of level, is there? I think I think that's our main problem at the minute. Um, he seems to he, he's definitely brought some sort of stability, and this season he's he's he bought well in the summer, and he got a lot of players. I don't know how much to do with it. He actually had, but I I suppose that the sort of pragmatic. Uh, Allardyce has gone and he seems to be sort of returning to the sort of Allardyce of old of Bolton and buying sort of uh, a random assortment of players and then just telling them tell them to go out there and just score more goals than they concede but um, it's it, it kind of feels like he's got moving in the right direction but I, I think I think the main problem for most West Ham fans is that he's just such an intensely unlikable cunt I feel like I just don't know. Like, like you say, there's not really anyone else out there as an alternative. Um, we spoke I'll, about this, um, yeah. me and Seb, just before you came on. Um, mm. And what I compared it to, because he was he took the viewpoint that you know it's from an outsider looking in, it's slightly odd given the success you've had this season that fans are turning on on him already, and yeah. that you know. And the point I made was that having lived through half a season of Tim Sherwood in charge of my club. 
I'm fully aware that having a bell end in charge of your club just makes you feel so disillusioned, so disenfranchised with what's going on. Yeah. That the the biggest you know obstacle to you enjoying your club and enjoying the football is the man who's representing it, and I think it buys into that a little bit. Um, while you were speaking, I had a I had a slight brainstorm. It, it might not be as good as EastEnders against Emmerdale. Well, yeah. but what would you say to having old Harry Redknapp back? Um, I I literally cannot think of anything worse. <laughs> I thought you'd say that. Gen- no, genuinely, I'd rather Jamie Redknapp. I'd rather I'd rather Louise Redknapp. I'd, At least I'd... Jamie looks good in a suit. I mean, will you say that? I mean, as someone who sort of prides himself on uh, so, uh, some sort of semblance of uh, men's fashion knowledge, he fucking wears some fucking really Mickey suits. Like, they're all, like, tight, around, tight in the wrong places and loose in the wrong places. I don't know who's had him over at top, man. You're going to have to, uh, you're gonna have to translate that for me. Uh, Mickey. Oh, like, like Mickey Mouse, that bit shit. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, I, I'll be on board with that. He, he does wear them a bit tight, but I thought that was just, you know, his way of sort of showing I mean, off. It might be his his sense of style, I guess, but uh, not saying I can get him bored with. But yeah, um, it's a I, bit boogie I, nights, isn't it? Oh, well, how dare you besmirch the good boogie nights name and link it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jamie Redknapp. But, um, can but, you imagine a remake where uh, Jamie Redknapp played the role of Dirt Diggler? Please don't ruin the film for me. That's generally one of my favourite films. I don't want to go back and watch it now. After I've rang up Emmerdale and EastEnders, <laughs> I'm ringing up Paul Thomas Anderson and I'm I'm oh, sending him a script. Oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> sure he's not got much else on at the minute. I mean, he's not, he's not been doing much, has he? It's but, not like um, his films need a plot or anything. I mean, have you seen Inherent Vice? <laughs> oh, yeah, I tried to. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What was all that about? But anyway, yeah, Harry Redknapp, like... <laughs> that's what he's it. Yeah, Harry Redknapp. Um, I, I'm, I'm quite glad that he's been finally found out as the sort of chancellor that he is. I mean, he's he he's doesn't feel like his art's in it anymore and he's clearly just in it for the, the quick paycheck because he's only signed players who are in a similar mould. Like, past few seasons, they've only really signed mercenaries. And you look at other teams that have, have been in a similar position and it just doesn't bode well and it does seem like he's, it, that he's, it'll end up turning QPR into another Portsmouth. Obviously, not going quite down as far as them, hopefully, but um, for, the, for the sake of QPR fans' sanity. I think he realised he'd lost his touch when another club managed to buy Jermaine Defoe. Yeah. It was almost as if he was like, my powers have gone. Yeah, I don't think he knew what to do. I mean, he, he got in uh, his other mate, what's his face? Who was the one who was at Tottenham? Yeah, uh, um, Yeah, him. I, I, I missed him. He's such a handsome man with, a, is, yeah. with a good free kick, and I can re- that's, that's something I can really get behind. But I imagine that, you know, the day after the transfer window's closed and he's failed to buy... Jermaine Defoe, he's kind of sat at home that night, what's like 500 days of summer, and then just handed in his, <laughs> handed in his resignation the morning after realising that he's, he's heartbroken. Didn't he, but, didn't uh, he uh, say that his resignation was so that he could go and get knee surgery? Yeah, yeah, very very con- convenient knee surgery. That, yeah. that, you know, I'm not sure which doctor he saw, either at the crack of dawn or at the middle of the night, that sort of told him he needed it immediately. But, you know, it's it's that sort of... Red Nap press game that sort of works in his favour, isn't it? That he, he yeah. managed to get away with that. But I'm uh, I'm I'm surprised that you're not gone for my uh, my Red Nap suggestion. I was hoping that you maybe maybe fancied that. No, mate, I've not had nearly enough beers to even consider considering that. 
Do you think other West Ham fans would? No, he's got such a bad reputation at West Ham. Oh, I thought he was like a cult hero. No, I mean, it's it's really weird. He he used to be, but then it wasn't until we got rid of him that we that we realised what uh, a terrible job him and... Um, I think his name was Terry Brown, the, uh, the old chairman who was at West Ham, what they did. And they just completely gutted the club. I mean, there, there was a lot of uh, shady dealings going on, which I can only allude to because of uh, legality issues, being the, uh, the uh, obviously very professional <laughs> journalist that I am now. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of fond memories because some of our best seasons and some of my best memories in football have, have involved his team. But I think that he he's just a, a like a side note in that now. Unfortunately, at the time, loved him. I mean, I loved him anyway because I was about seven and didn't really know. But yeah, now just a fucking idiot. I think he's just he's just been found out, hasn't he? Yeah. If I um if we we concentrate on the game coming up yeah. and Tottenham, um, obviously you're going to be living in fear of Harry Kane. And that, that used to be a joke, but these days, it's, it's very much the truth. Yeah, he's been, um, he's been unbelievable. He's been, he's been the, the captain of my fantasy football team for many a week now, and he's served me very well, that decision. Do you think he's going to have another good game on the weekend? Do you think West Ham's defence are going to be able to cope with him? Um, I, think, I, think our centre, I think our centre defence has been uh, pretty solid, especially with Kuyate uh, last couple of games. He's actually been very impressive there. Um, but I just don't know. I think I think when you when you lux in, you lux in, and he, he's just he's just got that touch at the minute, and he where he just every time he gets the ball in and around the area, he looks like he could score. And that's I, I think while Tottenham have overall much better quality all over the pitch, I think that that's the real thing that um, separates the two teams. Like we haven't got a, a game winner in our in our in an, uh, in our team at the minute, whereas. Harry Kane is one of those Alan Shearer types where he can just go, "All right, come on, then we're gonna we're gonna win this game," and then just just bang in two goals. And he he looks like a reliable source. And I mean, f- <laughs> for your own sake, mate, I, I hope that continues. But uh, and I can't I can't see it changing tomorrow. Um, or not tomorrow. <laughs> Sunday in, in the next game. Yeah, sorry, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, we've got Fiorentina before we play you, so we may well be knackered by the time that comes around. Where's well, hoping? Um, if I had to push you for a, a score uh, score line, oh, uh, I always hate this. Um, two one Tottenham. Two one. I'll, I'll take yeah. that. I uh, I think it'll probably be three or four to be honest. But oh, mate, yeah. don't say that. Come on, do me a favour. No, I'm just hoping that we, we <laughs> kick on after you know after the last few, um, especially after West Ham have been quite. Abysmal in the last couple, but um, yeah. thank you very much for, for coming problem, on mate. the podcast again, Sam. We Always look forward to, to speaking to you next season. <laughs> yeah, you'll still be in the league probably. Thank fuck for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, just uh, good luck with with everything in your, as you say, now professional life at, <laughs> at, at the the Buzzfeed Empire at Lee Busby's. Yeah, yeah. You, what, you, I think you split your time, don't you? Fifty-fifty between sort of doing like professional Twitter beefs and working at Buzzfeed. That's your, your main. That's that's your LinkedIn status, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. Yeah, mate. I mean, it takes up a, quite a lot of my time. I've had to sort of like prioritise. I mean, you should see my Google Calendar. It's fucking colour colour coded and all sorts. <laughs> Just who you, who who you're going to be beefing with that day? And... <laughs> yeah, I mean, every now and then I get a little alert on my phone. I go, oh no, I have to call Callum Hamilton. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's always a, a remarkable thing that if if we, if we could sort of like maybe we don't record this part, but if we sort of like 
artificially put one together where like you could do one for the roller roost feed because we've not got as many followers as you do so <laughs> we could like just uh, like when the game comes on sunday just sort of create some beef and we could uh, script it ourselves, <laughs> sort of make it look genuine. I mean, this, sh- this is lapsing into uh, WWE territory, to be honest, mate. <laughs> yeah, that, that is pretty much what they do, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure that would work. But we'll, we'll we'll speak more about that off air, and we'll we'll discuss fees and whatnot. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I can uh, do a red nap, and you can give me a backhander and see what <laughs> it fits in with your your accent. I feel. <laughs> well, I find that semi-offensive. So that's that's what I attended it to be. To be honest, <laughs> thanks very much for your time, Sam. Yeah, and you, mate. See you later. Thanks to to Sam for having a chat to about West Ham with us. Um, I'm not actually spoken to him yet, being honest with you. So hopefully he was he was good. Um, but to be honest, Seb, we've done we've done everything we we've had to do. To be honest, we've spoken about Fiorentina and Liverpool and and West Ham. We've you know we've got two guests on, so. I think we've pretty much got 10 minutes to ourselves to, to talk about anything we should wish to, to be honest. Can I can I have a 30-second moan about something? Go ahead. All right, okay. So people who listen regularly know what I think about the FA Cup. Um, they're also hashtagging me with things like disgrace, so they clearly do. Um, the ball for the FA Cup, that, that's got to change. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the, you know, the, the, the competition's biggest fan, but... It loses a lot of credibility when it looks like the players are kicking a grapefruit around the pitch. It's just the most... There, there's absolutely... like I know during the winter months you have to have a high visibility ball. And, you know, I, I can take yellow and, you know, slightly darker yellow and occasionally red, but this this pink football... I um, And I'm being deadly serious. This isn't just posturing. I, I just... I, it's it's novelty for novelty's sake. And I, it, I, I turn on an FA Cup game thinking every time it's on... When you have this sort of footballing void which has to be filled, you think, all right, well, I'll watch Arsenal against Middlesbrough, even though I know it's going to be a you know procession. And you see that ball in the middle of the pitch, and you think this is just so hard to take seriously. I'm done. I can't can't say I've ever given it two thoughts, to be honest, Seb. Um, I'm not. So, I'm not so as what a, kind of person you are then, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm not as offended by the colour pink as, as I'm not you offended are, by that. I just think it, it, it's like it's it's like when my 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 FIFA days are over. But it's like when you'd play online and then some tosser would change the colour of the ball to something like blue or something. It would just, I'm a, I don't use a word like purist, but you just think you can't do that. And um, yeah, just Nike or Adidas or Umbro, whoever makes that football, sort your safe out. Really. It's a Nike one, I think. I think, it's, uh, I think it's purely done to differentiate it from the Premier League ball and to make it more appealing to people wanting to buy it so that, yeah. you know, kids kids will want the pink FA Cup ball and they want the, okay, well, the it, Premier League ball. If you were if, if you'd asked your dad for that football for Christmas when you were, you know, your ten year old self and you unwrapped the ball shaped gift from under the tree and that fell out, would you be happy? I'd be happy, yeah. It's a pink football. I, I, there's not wrong with that. I remember most of the time when I was a kid I used to play with a penny floater. The uh, the first time I got bought a proper football was... I, I don't even know what that is. Penny, flo- <laughs> yeah, yeah. A penny floater, really? Yeah, no, I don't. Have you ever never been to a, uh, a petrol station and those uh, air balls that you get oh, where well, you, you kick them and you... Ones. They go everywhere. Yeah, what do you call them? Well, it's just a football. It's like a... Well, it's, it's a penny float. Because they uh, they don't cost at all. I think they're back in day may have cost a penny, probably a quid now. Um, but yeah, they always used to be known as a penny floater by us. Okay, all right. 
Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Penny Falota we used to have, and the, the first ball I ever remember getting bought was um, first tournament I remember watching fully was the '98 World Cup. That was a great um, football. The uh, the triple yeah. that's a good ball. Yeah, and um, I remember going into town with me mum, and I saw it. And um, it was around the time that I got a pony Tottenham shirt as well. I think it was the blue and white away one that I managed to get from my mum. And I managed to get one of those footballs and shoot. I remember she was adamant, don't be don't be playing it on pavement with uh, with, with the kids that lived around us because you're not supposed to have them balls on the pavement, she said. And, uh, of course, we scuffed the shit out of it on the pavement within <laughs> moments of bringing it home. Um, but I think that's still, still in me. Still in my granddad's back garden in Huddersfield, I think, that one. Because um, he's got a much bigger garden than we do at home. So that's where, if I play football, like, just in the back garden, that's where we play now. And, um, yeah, I think that's still there. I, but I, I, I remember the, the novelty ball angle, I agree with, because there was a few years where, in rugby, Super League, where the, do you remember the eight-panelled rugby ball that you used to play with? Yeah, the, vaguely, yeah. The extra fat eight-panel one, that was no good to anyone. Yeah. Uh, it's harder to kick because the end was essentially this weird, it looked like an inverted nipple, um, the end of the ball. Because <laughs> there was not, you know, where, where a normal four panel comes out and you could, there's a clear point at which you can kick it and, you know, yep. wrap your foot around. There was none of that with that. And I think it lasted for a good three, four years um, back when it was the, the Tetley Super League. And um, that never caught on. I never, I never enjoyed it. The best part of that was... Um, Leeds used to have a player called uh, Willie Poaching, which for years as a kid never found the name funny. As soon as I got older and realised the, the man's name was Willie Poaching, it was obviously hilarious. But um, whenever he scored a try, he used to pick up the ball and pretend to peel it like a banana because it had eight panels on it. But um, that's a that's that's an aside. Can't believe we've covered eight panel rugby balls. Jack's going to have such a shout at us. That's a that's a that's a niche subject in it. The, the the different panels of rugby balls. That's a that's not a conversation. It, 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 if Jack was on the... It's a worthy topic though because it, it, it's you don't change things like that just for the sake of change. Whether it's rugby, football, whatever, you you don't. You, it's, this is the product of too many people sitting around in a in a marketing discussion thinking we need to change something dramatically to make it you know to, to make sure kids go and buy it and 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 that. Eight panel rugby ball, the current FA Cup ball, whatever. It, it, it's just, I, you know, I I don't like it, and I don't want to sound like one of those. Do you just want everyone to play with a, a might a match day, don't you? That's, no, that's I want what everyone the, should be. Using. I want black and white hex, hexagonal footballs for everything. I, I just I, I like the um, it's the um, my favorite football is I think it's the um, it's the Adidas Tango from the '82 World Cup. Every football. Should all, should look like that. It's just Is that the one where if you if you had it for too long, the panels would start coming off, and you'd like peel them off. They peel them off, start, and like and, start and you, to look patchwork. It's the one that you used in the playground at school, and and it also invariably the one that because those panels would start peeling, it would like potentially blind anyone who who tried to head it because it, it was. It was a, I mean, you, you couldn't make it now, really, probably because it'd be against a whole raft of different health and safety regulations. But back then, you you, you yeah, it would just be like so if it would have this frayed bit that would kind of scratch your cornea or something. It was, it was lethal, but also fun. I remember the, the first time when I was at primary school, we um, we used to have this uh, hastily painted, I think just by the caretaker, um, a, um, there was a brick wall which led into 
um, which backed onto the the main hall, and above them was like a row of five or six huge, like ten foot high glass windows, proper old, almost like a Victorian work style, you know, style. Yeah, that's what it looked like at my primary school, and uh, the. the 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 goals were painted a few feet below that, and because as I say we we mainly played with a penny floater, there was no issues whatsoever. Um, hit the window and bounced back off, and they were only single single panel ones, so they weren't you know double glazed or anything like that, not nothing fancy. But the first time somebody brought in a proper football, <laughs> and uh, somebody got over the top of it and and properly smashed it. The, uh, the, <laughs> the the window went in, and everybody had to go inside because there was so much glass oh. everywhere. And I remember, the, I'm not sure whether or not the school made the kid pay for it or not, because it was purely an accident, it was just them being shit at football. Um, but we were never allowed to play with a um, with a proper football again. We had to go out onto onto the field to play football after that. And what we used to do, when, when it was field time, this is an insight into my school in life, um, we weren't allowed rugby balls at school because the, the teachers thought we were too violent. So rather than taking rugby balls at a school, we used to play rugby with footballs um, and just, you know, pick it up and play as you were. Um, so that was that was what we did on the field. I can't believe any of you, the thing is, I can't, I can't believe, the, the thing is that that boy shouldn't, his parents should never have been made to pay for any winners because... I don't think, I'm not, I'm, I, it's that long ago now, like, as I say, about probably 20 years, um, not, not not 20 years, I'd have been two, but you know, about... But who, who, who doesn't see that happening? Obviously, yeah. I mean, I don't think we should have had a proper level football on the playground, to be honest with you, because it was a really odd, really odd playground now, thinking about it, because at the other end, it backed onto people's houses. So if you twatted at the other end, it would go into people's back yeah, gardens. Yeah, you'd go you'd, in and get it. Yeah, it was like proper Mission Impossible, where three of you would keep watching, the other one, would, you'd take it in turns to run up out of the, out of the, uh, out of the drive and then back in the other side. Um, um, next day, the school would get a letter. From whoever owned the house, and yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember the, the best thing about school with our school were, um, especially at primary school, were when people tried to do a runner. Like if they'd had a fight and they knew they were going to get in trouble, they'd used to like do a storm up the uh, the drive, and everyone <laughs> would crush towards the end and go, "Yeah, they're doing a runner, they're going home." And inevitably, they you know they shit themselves at the top of the drive and come back. <laughs> yeah, come back. <laughs> <laughs> but for them, ten seconds where it looked like they were just going to sack it in and go home on their own. Or the uh, it was like prison break, but uh, <laughs> I think I think that's that's enough about our schooling lives. Uh, what does Jack normally say at the end of a podcast? Um, if you want to listen to any other episodes of Rule the Roost, go to the website. Um, follow us on Twitter. The, what, what's the website? SpursStatman dot com. Yeah, follow you, us on you, Twitter. Usually gives the URL, doesn't he? At RTRSSM. Follow the boss man GP at at SpursStatman. It's actually his birthday today when we're recording, so very happy birthday to well, you, happy Jack. Happy birthday, JP. Um, our supreme leader. Um, in the in the in the Jack Jack compares him to um, Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis, yes, yeah, in the Bahamas, silent partner. But um, I think that's everything. Does he say anything else? Um, no, not really. I, I kind of, I uh, as much as I listen to Jack, I, I've kind of stopped listening by this point. I kind of exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted from all the, 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 the you know, the, the heavyweight intellectual debate. It just takes it out of me. And then, if we've missed anything, if you just want to go back and listen to the end of another podcast when Jack does this bit much more professionally than us two do, um, you'll probably get a better of idea of of what we're going to be asking you to link to but essentially just you know google us and shit like that um we'll, we'll, we'll see you next time
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.